In a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello, and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. We've had some great transitions here in the Dusick house, and while we're not In the traditional sense of adventuring, you know, we're not traveling like we have been most of the summer. We're still finding simple ways to have adventures. And I had such a fun meetup with the members of the Everyday Adventure Challenge for this fall and just some really novel ideas of reminding ourselves that adventure isn't necessarily this big epic thing. It's about getting uncomfortable. It's about trying something new, maybe a little risky And that can be really simple things. And I think we had a really good conversation talking about, you know, for our family, this weekend was downtime. And that's not always, you know, in in the midst of, you know, soccer games and all those soccer mom things that I swore I would never do. Well, never say never, because now I have three children playing soccer. But we also are finding time just as a family to reconnect and do simple things together. And one of those simple things this weekend was playing a game. It's almost like a an at-home escape room. And I posted about it at, on Instagram. It's uh, Finders Seekers. And it was talked about in the episode with Matt and Board podcast on games of adventure. And I'll link that in the show notes here. But the Finder Seekers game was actually really cool. And my kids who are 11, 9, and 6 really got into it. The game that came to us this month is, it's almost like a scavenger hunt. So I said it's like a an escape room. The one this month was on national parks and you had to navigate all these different national parks to find the person's inheritance to help save one of the national parks. It's kind of a fun little adventure. And it was it was meaningful enough to my kids. Not only were we learning about the national parks and there's some really cool posters that came with it, but it also just helped us have fun and not have a plan or an expectation It's a little bit dreary, you know, so it just gave us an intention and an opportunity to come together and learn some different things, figure out a puzzle, find the clues. You know, it was a really great activity. And in fact, my kids are kind of disappointed that it's over. So we are definitely going to be subscribing to that and getting a couple more of those in these coming months. So again, I'll put that link in the show notes. If Finder Seekers is something that you're interested in, if you do use my link, just by the way, I will get a couple dollars. So I promise I'll keep making content and uh, drink a cup of coffee with that money while you're while you're investing in and in having fun with your family as well. In this episode, we are having one of my favorite though. I think she's just been inspirational, and I have found her to be unique in that there aren't a lot of adventurous moms with five children. And when I heard she had five children and I was hearing about all the things she did, I was, she was on my dream list of someone to really get to know, to have a conversation with and to share her with all of you. So I hope you find as much value from this episode as I did. 
As most of you know, I never wanted to choose between being a mom, having a professional career, or leaving an adventurous lifestyle behind, so I didn't. I only wish I had been exposed to individuals like my guest much earlier in life. Finding her was like a breath of fresh air. Adventurous moms can be successful entrepreneurs and can be financially independent. I think one of my first interactions with her content really helped me define what the benchmarks of success were for our family and really embrace the fact that our family was different in all the right ways. That being weird and having adventures is part of our superpowers. And while many others thought we were weird, they just hadn't been exposed to the possibility of what was possible yet. Jillian Johnsrud became financially independent at 32 years old and then turned her personal and professional experience towards a creative life. She is a popular public speaker, teaches online classes, is a coach and a writer. Her most recent book, Fire the Haters, Finding the Courage to Create Online in a Critical World, helps creatives and entrepreneurs share their best work in the world. She hosts the Everyday Courage podcast, and she and her husband live in Montana near Glacier National Park with their five kids. She's an avid traveler and drinker of hot tea. Jillian Johnsrud, it is such an honor and a pleasure to have you on Ordinary Sherba. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. You have been a longtime, I like to say, status quo challenger, and I think (laughs) it's probably not as revealing in your bio. Can you walk us through just some of the adventures that you have embraced in life and both you and your husband and with your kids that just kind of set you on this path of living a less traditional lifestyle? Yeah. You know, it started pretty young. I had some specific ideas of what I wanted my life to look like. And as soon as I got out of high school, I had to start to get really comfortable with people not understanding or not getting these ideas, these crazy ideas I had. And the first one, story I don't tell very often, but I met my husband and he proposed two weeks after we met. And I said yes, and we got married a couple months later, and we're we're closing in on 20 years now of marriage. But it was definitely one of those choices that everyone around me was like, um, is this a good idea? But I was like, yes, this is an amazing idea. This is going to be fantastic. But a lot of those things from when we adopted our first, uh, our oldest son, you know, he was almost a teenager. He had a lot of special needs. He was diabetic. And I was I was 21 when we started the process, uh, 22 when he came to live with us. And a lot of people were like, you don't seem old enough to have a teenager. Um, <laughs> are you sure this is a great idea? And we traveled a lot. Uh, we had another biological kiddo. We moved to Europe. We lived in Heidelberg, Germany for about four and a half years. We lived just outside D.C. for about four and a half years, moved back to Montana. When we bought our first house, we had been renting for 10 years to try to pay cash for a house. And then we ended up buying like the ugliest house that we saw. And we had no construction experience. We had no tools. We had no idea what we were doing. We had YouTube videos like there was no Chip and Joanna Gaines holding our hands saying, this will work out just fine. It was just us and YouTube. I remember I walked my, after we closed, I was walking my grandma through the house and she went, well, sweetie, you're, you're not going to make my grandson live here, are you? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of. 
We'll fix it up. It'll be great. So there's been, my family, I think it's finally gotten, now that I'm like 38, they've gotten to the point where I've had this track record of doing things that like maybe seem unconventional, maybe seem a little different, but they all, they all tend to work out just fine. Yeah. And I think that's part of why I love the realness of who you are and the content that you put out because it's, it's not always the bells and whistles of life that we see. We see like the real Jillian mm-hmm. online and some of the things that are yes. happening behind the scenes. So I really appreciate that. I remember you telling a story one time about, so I'm actually going to ask you to tell it of you saying, well, I'm successful. And someone was like, what? Like, why are you successful? <laughs> Can you kind of recount that story a little bit for my listeners? Yeah, I was I was at my least favorite job. I've worked a lot of jobs, worked in a lot of different a lot of different professions uh, before I kind of became a creative entrepreneur. And I was telling one of my coworkers, who was a friend, how my brother was successful. And I was, and I said it like I wasn't even thinking about this when I said it. And I said, yeah, I guess I mean we're both kind of successful, just just in different ways. And she looked at me all honesty, so confused, so taken aback. And she said, how in the world would you consider yourself successful? I <laughs> just, I, I wasn't prepared for the question. Um, and I could see, I could see why she was confused. I was driving a very old Honda Civic. We were living in this house that we were renovating, but looked like a turd that had not been polished yet. <laughs> like I was working this job that I hated. Everyone hated. It was a crap job. Like I could see the confusion. I ha- I didn't have like Ivy League education. I didn't even have a college degree. I understand why she was confused. But I just said, I've gotten everything I wanted out of life. Everything I've set out to do, I've done. And so I feel I feel pretty successful in that. And it was a good it was a good lesson for me that like we're not all playing the same game. Mm-hmm. We're not we don't all have the same goals and ambitions and you could be really successful in getting what you want out of life and achieving your goals and other people just aren't going to get it. Mm-hmm. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that cuz I think it also reminds us that Success isn't just like one dimension of your life. It's not just what your career is or what your money story is. That life is really multidimensional. Mm-hmm. And we don't always have metrics of success for family life or personal development or social life. Like I think it's ironic that as a society, we've kind of framed success in this little piece of our life and not really embrace the entire circle necessarily of what life has to offer. Mm -hmm. So I really appreciate that lens because it's also framed that for me in this world of, you know, being an adventurous mom and trying to support my kids through adventure, that life isn't all about grades and metrics and that I could really care less about half of those things right now. And I want to foster all of the curiosity traits and the fun and the social aspects and family life and connection time as much or as equal to you know, what we think of as success. So I think that story, though, really helps paint the picture that success isn't a universal definition. It's really an individualized way for you and your family to define. And that story really helped me go, oh, I don't know that I've been really thinking about success as the whole picture. I was really just looking at this tiny little sliver. 
Well, and the problem with that is that I think that's what creates a midlife crisis is when you take someone else's definition of success, whether it's the car or the house or the job, and you spend half of your life achieving someone else's definition of success, and then you realize, oh, shoot, none of this actually matters to me. What have I done with the last 45 years of my life? I gave up all the things I actually cared about in exchange for achieving someone else's goals. Yeah. I was lucky enough to do that at 25. So I like to say I had a quarter life crisis. So I got to do that a lot sooner before I had kids yeah. and I had a husband and everything. I could I could just get that out of the way. But I think that also leads to some of the ways you've approached the strategy around that, right? So when you start mm-hmm. to realize that life isn't this or when you have an opportunity in front of you, you can look at a different way. You talk about moving abroad, right? I don't know that that mm-hmm. was always in your plans, But you had an opportunity to say yes to something that was worthy of an adventure, or at least, and maybe not a part of what you envisioned for your life. I don't know. I I don't want to put words in your mouth. But I think the idea of even a mini retirement, that there's times Mm -hmm. in your life where it's okay to take a break and we don't necessarily give ourselves the permission because we don't think that's within the realm of what successful people do, which is a little bit crazy, one of the hesitations people often have is the fact that other people aren't going to understand. Yeah. They're not going to get it, whether it's their coworkers or their boss or their friends or their family. Like when we did our fifth or sixth mini retirement, we decided to take a year off. And my family was like, what are you doing? Like we had four kiddos at home. I was pregnant with our fifth. And my family was like, oh, sweetie, if you have five kids, you you don't leave jobs. Like you stay at jobs. Like you don't give them up. Like, <laughs> you don't you have five away. kids, you need a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, we're just going to try it for a year. We'll see how it goes. And consequently, we never went back to those jobs and it just kind of morphed into one year became two and two kind of became three. And then we found other ways to spend our time outside the nine to five. Yeah. So let's talk about those mini retirements because now I'm curious. You said the fifth one was a year off, but for my listeners, I think I've heard at least two of them start by saying, what is a mini retirement for you or how do you define that? I define it as any time you step away from the nine to five for a month or longer to focus on something that's meaningful to you. So sometimes they're planned. You know, you might plan it out six months, a year, two years in advance. And sometimes they're they're moments of opportunity. You know, oftentimes throughout our careers, we'll have these moments where we could take two or three months off, uh, where we could go do this amazing adventure. And It's more a matter of if you've planned it out, if you've saved, are you prepared to kind of grab that go bag and and get started? Or is this just going to be like a lost, you know, two months where you're applying for jobs and like binging Netflix? Yeah. And I think that so many people never even take the time to think Mm -hmm. personally in just this busy world that we live in. We're so busy reacting to what is next on the list of things to do that we don't even realize what's possible. Just open up the world of possibilities for listeners. What have been some of your mini retirement experiences? What have you done in some of those gap timeframes? Yeah, we've kind of spanned as far as length of time and and intention. 
So I think picking picking your intention for your mini retirement, whether you need adventure or whether you need rest or whether you need connection with family or friends or whether it needs to be like personal growth or, you know, some new project, um, kind of deciding what the intention is so that you it helps filter those decisions. Um, and my first one was kind of an unexpected, unplanned one. When we got married, we had $55,000 debt. We had paid off that. We were just about to save our first 100000 and we were trying to get pregnant. We got pregnant with our first biological baby, and I miscarried. And for a lot of, I mean, a lot of women have miscarriages, and a lot of women, it's not a big deal. It's like a sad day, a sad week, and then they kind of go, okay, and we're just going to try again. It was not for me. I did not handle it well. I was just grieving uncontrollably. I think it was partly that I had I'd had a lot of difficult experiences growing up and I'd coped with that by pushing it all down and not feeling any of it. And this was the first time I had allowed myself to feel. And I think I just had like 24 years of feelings just come out and I was a mess. And my employer was like, yeah, this isn't working. Uh, You obviously like are not doing well. Take a month off. Just we'll pay you. Just go get it figured out and then come back. So me and my best friend were living in DC at the time and we got in my Honda Civic and we drove all the way to Seattle, Washington and back. And we stayed with family and we stayed with friends and we stayed in tents and we slept in the car and we got snowed on in national parks. And like, we just had an amazing month. Like it was exactly what I needed in that moment. Like I needed that connection. I needed that time alone. I need to stare out the window at ever-changing landscapes that is, you know, the the United States. It was honestly probably the first time I ever said, I'm going to process my emotions. I'm going to like deal with my emotions. I'm going to feel my way through them. But because I had never done it before, it it took me it took it took a month off of work to to get that sorted out. Yeah. Wow. That seems uh, yeah, I think we have expectations around what those things are supposed to be, but sometimes we just need to process what has been, like you said, we've been burying beneath. And those rolling landscapes and the windows can offer a lot of things that mm-hmm. I don't know that we've really appreciated in our lives or we've been blind to them sometimes. And so just space and time and nature can really mm-hmm. offer almost a healing presence to feeling the feelings when you least expect them. Yep, absolutely. And I I had a month between jobs. Um, me and my husband, we took our adopted son, Micah, to actually where we live now. We went from DC to Glacier National Park and we, we spent a Probably two weeks there. And it was such, it was probably as a family, our best vacation that we have ever experienced together. It was just such a deep, meaningful, enjoyable, like fun trip for us. I had grown up spending time in Glacier. Like it was my happy place. And it was so thrilling to be able to share that with him. And you know, life is, life is funny. Like that would have been a trip. I was, I was honestly, we had planned it. I wanted to do that, 
but I was hesitant. You know, I was between jobs. I was like, oh, am I being irresponsible? We're spending all this money, even though we had saved it. Should I be applying for jobs? Like, even though we could afford it. But life's funny in that that's a, the kind of trip that I would have thought, well, we could have done that a hundred other times. And we moved back to Montana and maybe six, eight weeks after we moved back to Montana, Micah was living in Nebraska at the time, getting ready to go to college. He passed away mm. unexpectedly just one weekend and he was gone. And, you know, we had just gotten back to Montana and I thought, well, that was our one shot. Like that was the one chance we had to do that. And I'm so thankful we did that trip. I'm so thankful I got to share that with him because there's, you never know what life's going to bring. And, and even if nothing bad happens, there's seasons in our lives that have expiration dates. You know, I did, um, a 10 week trip with our five kiddos in a pop-up camper to 10 national parks. And I remember being like in the middle of this trip, we did kind of all the Western national parks and thinking this season's closing. Mm -hmm. Like this is not a season. My kids were probably three to like 11 at the time. I was like, this is not a season that could sit on the shelf for 10 years. Like there's no way I can drag 20 year olds with me in a pop-up camper <laughs> for 10 weeks. Like I, I felt, I felt the expiration date like closing in, especially every time we rolled into a national park and my 11 year old was like, oh my gosh, there's not Wi-Fi here either. And I'm like, <laughs> no buddy, there's not. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I, I appreciate that statement because I do think it's easy to put things off because it's not the right time or it's not, you're not ready yet no. for this thing that you no. want or are hoping for in life. And at the same time, I've heard that, that phrase, you know, you have 18 summers with your kids. And I, I like, part of me wants to call that a farce a little bit because I'm like, you still have your entire lifetime. It's just the ideal time potentially to spend with your kids. It'll just change with every season. I'll still have a 19th yeah. summer. But my 19-year-old might not act like a five-year-old, you know? And yeah. so I think each season still has its merits. It's just mm -hmm. what we do in those seasons aren't necessarily transferable until they're 36. Potentially, you know, you have to embrace what's available and what's ideal in those yeah. scenarios. I have a, a just like a practical question is like, how did you live for how many weeks in a pop-up camper with that many kids? <laughs> yeah, 10 weeks. It was a long trip. Wow. I was... I was definitely happy to come home. <laughs> like we had done, we had done a six week trip uh, the year before with the kids in the pop-up camper. And at the end of that one, I was like, I think we could keep going. This is amazing. Uh, at the end of the 10 week one, I was like, oh, my house. <laughs> yes. It was, it was like, it's camping, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I think whenever you do adventures of any sort, it's getting really comfortable with there being some discomfort and it not being perfect and it being kind of messy and and kind of crazy and like things go wrong on that uh on the yeah. six week one I had uh an issue where um 
I was still breastfeeding my youngest. So we had to stop all the time. Like we were forever like parked along the side of the interstate or like in random parking lots. And at one point we pulled into this little tiny town and I had to feed the baby. So we found like this church parking lot on kind of like a Sunday afternoon. So we're all sitting there and the kids are like running around. And my second youngest was maybe two or three at the time. And all of a sudden she goes, I have to poop. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I'm in the middle of feeding a baby. Like we're in a parking lot and I'm like, I don't, I don't even know where a bathroom is. Like I have, I have nothing to offer you. And she was like, okay, dropped her pants and pooped right on the front yard of the church. (laughs) And I was like, oh, we're going to hell. We're going to hell. (laughs) So thankfully we have a dog. So we have poop bags and we had to go pick up the human feces and throw it away. And I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is my life. I should put this and on Instagram. Record, not all adventures are glorious. Okay. So the highlight reels that you see from Jillian's <laughs> life clearly do not include pooping on the church lawn. No, I think I that included is- that in my newsletter. So I was like, <laughs> we got to We got to talk about this because this is the other, the other side that sometimes yes. failed to to it is inevitable with children that you think you have everything prepared. And even if you aren't prepared, I mean, I, I always encourage people like, just get out the door. Don't worry about being prepared. Yeah. Just something is going to go wrong no matter what. I can almost predict every single time we will be on a hike and it's usually our big long hikes that we're embarking on. And my five-year-old is like a mile in and he's like, ah, dad, I got to poop. And we're like, <laughs> it's inevitable. Like it's almost gotten to that point where we're like, Okay, let's predict it. Where's the bathroom stop going to be? Is there a stop on the way? It's it's just gotten every time. My other kids are like, seriously, every time. I don't know what the deal is. He's regular, I guess. <laughs> but I also find like the things that really go wrong, like those are the moments you remember. And those Absolutely. are the things that um, eventually become funny. Um, and the kids... The kids love their crazy antic stories. Like they just, those are their favorite stories. Like even today, my, that same kiddo was reading the like, I'll love you forever book where the baby's like making a mess everywhere. And she was like, mama, did I make a mess like this when I was a baby? And I was like, oh, (laughs) you were the worst. You were the messiest kid. And she just laughed and laughed and laughed. She thought it was awesome. And she was like, and I'm a baby, so I didn't have to clean it up. You cleaned it up. And I was like, this is correct. I cleaned it all up. And I think it's also funny when things go wrong that as a parent, you can be vulnerable with your kids too. I just had a moment. We were um, in Colorado and I was having an issue with the rental car. And I was just like, I kind of had a little mini meltdown. I was like, (laughs) it's not working. And the kids all just started mocking me like that. You know, like I was acting like a little teenager. And I was like, oh, I just did that, didn't I? And they're like, yeah, you are acting like a 13 year old right now. And it was so funny that they called me out on it because sometimes, you know, (laughs) I just wanted to be a 13-year-old and cry my way through it. So, you know, it everyone screws up. Because I think that brings me to a couple key points in your book, actually. Uh, one of them was this idea that confidence and clarity are really earned through doing. <laughs> and I thought that whole piece of the book was really helpful. There was a lot actually in Fire the Haters book that's coming out and I'll let you plug it in just a second. But I know it's really built for entrepreneurs and online creatives, 
But I also found it just as an adventurer, as a parent mm-hmm. who's trying to support that adventurous mindset and that lifestyle, there was a lot of similarities. And so I want to dive a little bit into some of that. You know, that first piece around confidence and clarity are earned through doing because mm-hmm. so much of what we think life is supposed to be is plan, 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 do. And that's just not how life is. It's not how you learn something. That's not how you really figure out. You said, I think in your in your book about starting a podcast, like we could plan, 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 but you're still going to suck in the beginning. And that's just part of it. Like some of it just happens through doing. So I'd love to know too, how do you get better at some of these things without sucking? Is it possible? I don't think so. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, it's it's kind of like I played basketball all through high school. It's kind of like if you went to an NBA game and you're sitting in the stands and you went, that looks like fun. Maybe I'll give that a shot. You're not going to be good if you've never touched no. a basketball before. Like you're not going to be among the best in our country at this game. Like you get better by doing it. And I think for for most of us, the real trick is just to kind of accept that. You know, there's there's so much pressure to start as the best. But like it doesn't work that way. Like nobody starts as the best. Like you start as a baby. This isn't like Benjamin Button or something like you don't start as a fully grown adult. And so everything we do, we get better at and realizing that it doesn't have to be perfect and it doesn't even have to be great to be good and to be worth doing and to be enjoyable. Um, You know, even with like my kids, whenever people, because we do lots of, we travel about 12 weeks a year with our kiddos. And people always are like, oh, I want to do that. I want to do something like that. Just start by going out for the whole day with your kids. Like get in the vehicle at 7 in the morning and don't come home until 7 at night. And I don't even care what you do. Like go to the park, go to playgrounds, go to the farmer's market, go out to eat. Like, But you'll get better at just organizing the chaos. You'll get mm-hmm. better at the logistics of, of inconvenience because – being out of your house and doing stuff is like people think travel sometimes is luxurious. It's generally just inconvenient. It's like a series of inconveniences. Everything's harder. It's wonderful when you travel, but everything is harder. Yes, 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 yes. I also think with related to that, not just even with travel, but as parents, I feel like we are almost expected to have everything figured out right away. You know, that... Mm -hmm. There was a piece in your book, too, that you talk about this like struggle muscle, right? Mm-hmm. That that we just aren't really good at nurturing the struggle muscle that is that you have to start something that's that you're not good at. Well, you might actually be good at it, but it's not the way you expected it to come out. You know, and I think travel for yeah. me is that, you know, that in my head, what I think this experience is going to be and what it actually plays out to be are not the same. And there's hardship in that, you know, that I want it to be something that it's not. But when you when you nurture the struggle, it actually turns out better than what I imagined it to be. It's kind of my philosophy. But how have you really found as a parent to nurture that struggle muscle within your kids? You know, it's it's the same with us. It's it's being okay with things not coming out the way you want them to. 
In the book, I talk about the Ira Glass quote that we get into something because we have really good taste. You know, we have we have we have great taste, whether whether it's art or food or music or in this case, like seeing like these amazing adventures. Like we we have this fantastic vision, and that's why we embark on something. But the reality is, is that our skill doesn't match our taste. And the only way to get your skill to match your taste is to continually produce work or continually try experiences that fall short, that are imperfect. I I compare it to like dry stacking stone to build a stone wall or like a stone fence. Like you know where the top of the wall (laughs) where you want it to be and every stone you place falls short of that. But every stone you place gets you like an inch closer to where you want it to be. And the only way you can get to that top stone is by continually stacking stones that fall short of your expectation. Um, it's how skill is developed. And and all of it's a skill, like traveling with kids, doing adventures with kids, like homeschooling kids, like all of it's a skill that you have to learn to handle the discomfort of it not being ideal, of it not being exactly the vision you had in your head. I think that's really important that we practice the struggle muscle and at the same time know that there's going to be someone in front of you that's going to be better than you. There are experts and maybe you're not there yet, but that can be inspiration. So I like to look at those as almost like my Sherpas, right? Are they Mm -hmm. inspiring me? Are they helping me reach my summit? Even if they're not reaching a hand down to help me up, like how can I use that as a strength rather than, oh, I'm not good enough? You know, the inner critic can be really loud otherwise. But I also think about there's also people behind me and how am I nurturing and supporting people along that path? How am I putting my hand back and helping them up? Because they're also going through their own struggles too. So I'm curious, you know, earlier you mentioned this idea of that there's going to be people that don't understand. You've been in this realm of personal finance and an adventurous mom and an entrepreneur. Anything that you have found in just, I don't want to say going against the status quo, but really reining in your voice and listening to the people that are on the path that are going to encourage you and nurture you on this path, as opposed to the ones that are kind of looking back and pushing you down saying like, yeah, no, you don't belong here. Or we don't think your ideas are valid. How have you managed that in your own career or in your own lifestyle design? Well, I think we get these voices from a few different places. And I find people who are in your niche or your genre or kind of doing work similar to you typically are very supportive. I would say I'm generally a supportive person, but to the extreme of like, I'm never going to bet against someone because I'll be proved wrong over and over and over and over. Like when people put their minds to something, they're incredible and resilient and can accomplish more than I might expect. But you also have like family and friends and and people who just, the reality is they don't have the same vision that you have. And when we start off 
for something, whether it's in our family or our life or our kids or our adventures or our work, we, we embark on it because we have this unique vision, this unique clarity that was given just to us. Like this is not a shared vision. And so when other people in my life maybe don't have the vision that I've been given for a renovation or for my kiddos or for a trip, um, and they just can't see how it would be possible, they don't see how I could do it or how it would work out, I don't really worry about that because that vision was given to me. Yeah. It wasn't given to them. They don't have to have it. They don't have to see it. They don't have to understand it. It doesn't have to make sense to them because that was given to me. And it's it's mine to like steward and to keep and and to nurture along. And so if other people don't don't get it or aren't supportive, like I try to, I don't know, I give a lot of grace for that. Like that's not that's not their job to see something that that they can't see. And and instead you seek out people who are like-minded or who have similar vision or who have kind of a similar clarity and confidence. And and even if it's not their exact vision, they're at least in the ballpark and they can yeah. cheer you on. Like they they kind of get it. They don't get exactly what you've been given, but like they get it in general and are generally so supportive and so encouraging. I like that because I think sometimes we try to frame our expectations and expect everyone to support us in that journey at, mm-hmm. or even like supporting us feels awkward. And I think you alluded that too, that sometimes mm-hmm. it's not really comfortable to celebrate your success because it feels like people don't relate to that potentially, you know, it's yeah. a different type of experience. So I like to joke I, every once in a while when I find my tribe, I'm like, oh, it's my tribe of misfits. I'm so glad I found you because you get it. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean I'm leaving others behind. It's just I have to find the bridge of connection Mm -hmm. of what their vision is or what makes sense for them. So I have found a lot of your work has really been about bridge building, not just clarity around my own vision, but then how do I also think about who else is a part of the tribe and maybe they're a part of the tribe of misfits or maybe they are someone that I need to be thinking more intentionally about with with building the bridge Mm -hmm. and embracing what's in their world or what their truth might be. Yeah. Yeah. I have a whole chapter about that in the book about family and friends, especially Um, because it's important to understand that when we're making big changes in our life, uh, when we're growing and doing new things, like the other people in our life didn't actually opt into that change. Uh, They didn't get a vote. (laughs) They didn't say, yes, I would love to see you make this change. So instead they're kind of they're kind of pulled along into this change that they didn't opt into. And it can be a really scary, uncomfortable place because they're not sure, you know, will we have anything in common? Will will they judge me? Like, will they think they're better than me? Like there's all of these insecurities that can play out as them just being unsupportive. Mm -hmm. And so instead of like, trying to win them over to this change that they haven't even like opted into. I think it is important to to release them from understanding or playing a role that maybe they don't they aren't equipped to play as as like the super supportive understanding person and instead just find the common ground. Find the things that you have 
still in common and focus on those bridges and find ways to connect your new life with with that old life. But I've seen a lot of people try to sell their friends and family on something mm. that their friends and family ain't buying. Like they're not, they're, they're, <laughs> they're not even asking questions. They're just like, they're just shutting down. And yet people keep piling on like more information and more ideas and like, please buy into this thing, um, you know, that, that I'm excited about, but releasing them That's from funny. sharing that excitement. That's so funny you mentioned that, Jillian, because I know you and I are in a couple of groups around financial independence, and I see that a lot. What book can I buy my brother that needs this information? And it's like, you're not an MLM person, right? Like, I'm not selling you on financial independence. Like, they have to really find it relevant in order to make the change. Like you said, they're not necessarily voting for the lifestyle that you've now decided. You might see the need for it, but it doesn't mean they want in on it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, my general rule is like, I will honestly answer any question, any honest question. Like if my friends and family have any honest question about anything in my life, I will try to answer. But if they're not asking the question, why am I continuing to like spray out this information? <laughs> like they're obviously not interested because there has not been a single question asked. <laughs> so like it's just it's just either fighting like no questions are being asked when you're fighting with someone or you're just trying to sell them on something that they're not interested in. And that is like understanding and being supportive of what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. I really love all of those insights because I do think, you know, we get generally excited about something, especially when you're making strides forward. And we just think everyone should be on this board with us. Well, not everyone needs to get on the boat. Yeah, exactly. Jillian, I want to give you a couple minutes to talk about both your podcast, because you recently just did an entire season on mini retirements, but then also the book. So why don't we start with the podcast where if people want to learn a little bit more about what's happening at Everyday Courage, how would they find you? And I mean, obviously, people are listening to podcasts, so I'd love to have them come over and check you out. But do you want to talk a little bit about the podcast for a second? Yeah, it's Everyday Courage. Uh, My website's JillianJohnsrud.com, so you can find podcast there or, you know, wherever podcasts are. But I did this last season. It was so fun. I released a mini retirement course about three years ago, and I probably had 50, 100 people go through it. And I've actually just, I've revamped the whole thing. I did all new videos, all new worksheets. But I went back to the people who went through it three years ago. And I said, so what'd you guys do? Like, how did it go? Like, what went amazing? What went wrong? How did all of this play out? How is life different now before you kind of got started on this idea? And so it was really fun just to connect with a lot of people. and, And it's amazing what happens in our life once we give something some space, some space to thrive and to grow and just to flourish you know, it's so hard to make big changes in our lives when we're just busy, busy and distracted and burned out and overwhelmed. And I think a lot of people are feeling that now, especially kind of, I want to to say coming out of a pandemic, but it kind of feels like we're going (laughs) back in, but like being this long in, you know, pandemic life and working from home and sometimes having kids at home. And it just, I think a lot of people this gave us an opportunity to go, wait, what's actually important to me? Like if we take everything away 
and we quiet everything down and we can't travel and we can't see people, what matters? And a lot of people realize that, you know, they're they're nine to five and the life that they had before isn't isn't a perfect fit for the things that they really value and care about. So it's um I think we're kind of collectively feeling like eh, it might be a good time for a change. Yeah, I've heard it called like the great resignation or the great yeah. awakening. <laughs> you know, I think yeah. there's a lot of things that are coming out of that period of just intense time together mm-hmm. and <laughs> pressure, I guess. Yeah. So if people wanted to listen, they can find you at Everyday Courage. But let's talk about the book. Fire the Haters is, yeah, here you can tell it's available now or it's available for pre-order now, correct? Yep, pre-order and then it launches October 12th. But I do have a bunch of pre-order bonuses. So if you do buy it early, head over to my site, fill that out. I I created like a 100-page workbook, uh, like journal for creatives and entrepreneurs because I love journaling. I love just writing things out and figuring them out as I'm writing, but I'd never been able to find something that was like helpful prompts just for creatives and entrepreneurs Yeah, to kind of think through our business. So I created one of those and yeah, created a free video course, but yeah, it's available. It's available pretty much everywhere, like Target, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, Awesome. Yay. So people here, they listen to podcasts. You, uh, There was a lot of, and I have I was a pre-reader of Jillian's book. And I, as you heard on the show, have found a lot of value actually in several of the sections. I know I am a creator, but even relative to adventure. So I would encourage every listener, go get the book, go subscribe to the podcast. And because I have awesome, generous listeners, leave her a review because those things are really helpful too when you buy a book or if you listen to a podcast. Always, always, always leave a review. Jillian, is there anything else that you thought I would ask or that you want to share with my audience that I didn't ask about? No, I think that wraps it up. Yeah, I think the book, I mean, it came out of hundreds of conversations. And a lot of it was was with just coaching clients, people who, whether they were creatives or entrepreneurs or not, they were just trying to do something different. They were trying to make big changes in their life. And I basically compiled like every hesitation, every fear, every concern that when people want to make big changes in their life, they bump up against. And I just provided a different perspective or a solution or yeah, just kind of a reframing, a different story to tell ourselves about about that challenge. And that's kind of where the book came from. I would agree. And I think, like I said, I found great insights and just working through fear, working through criticism and self-doubt, like so many of those things transcend mm-hmm. aspects of our lives that it just gives us some more tools in our toolbox to think through and work through and a lot of great learning in there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jillian. It's been an honor. I'm so excited to have you on the Ordinary Sherpa podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. I found such great value from this episode and I hope you did too. I have 10 key takeaways for you today. Number one, when you take someone else's definition of success, you realize that it doesn't always fit you. It's important to recognize what's actually important to you rather than living your life into your midlife and then realizing, oh, I gave up everything that actually mattered. Number two, a mini retirement is anytime you step away from your nine to five to focus on something meaningful to you. 
the first step is really picking your intention. Why are you going to do this mini retirement in the first place? Number three, there are seasons of your life that have expiration dates, especially when it comes to children. It's important to recognize that, you know, this season might be closing and how can we take advantage of this opportunity? Number four, getting uncomfortable with discomfort is one of the key components to an adventurous life. You expect things to go wrong, but the beauty is that things that go wrong are often the things we remember. Number five, you get better by doing. Just accept that you aren't going to be an expert. It doesn't have to be perfect or even great to be a good thing. Number six, if any of these things sound exciting, such as a mini retirement, do a practice run. If you've ever wanted to travel 12 weeks, start by doing one day from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. You will get better at organizing the chaos and the logistics of inconvenience. Number seven, we get into something because we have good taste, but we don't have the skill to match our taste yet. The only way you get there is to keep building the skill. Number eight, We often have a unique vision that was given just to us. Others might not share that vision. Number nine, others in our life didn't opt into the changes we decide to make. There can be all kinds of insecurities that actually look like them being unsupportive. Release them from understanding rather than trying to sell them on your future changes. And number 10, I'd strongly encourage you to read the book. I actually found so much clarity in just understanding how I'm thinking about this with me and others. And there are a lot of extra bonuses that come along with that. So either read the book. She also has a free mini retirement link that I'm going to put in the show notes here and the pre-order for the book on October 12th. I hope you guys found as much clarity and value from this episode I think every time we adventure, there's other questions that come into view that maybe weren't necessarily there when we started. So with that, I hope you enjoy this journey and keep on adventuring. If you found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.